Welcome to the world of Rex. I am Marvel A. Rex, and this is my world. It is also your world. In this podcast, we will discuss any and every topic imaginable, from socioeconomic political theory and philosophy to gender clowning to the occult sciences, y'all. It's going to be a wild ride. Strap in. Marvel A Rex. Well, I am a true Renaissance person. I do a little bit of everything. I am an artist, first and foremost, an actor, a writer, director, producer, philosopher, and yes, a cult practitioner. I am an astrologer of over 15 years. I am a student of the I Ching, and I am experimenting with my human design. And on that note, I deeply hope you enjoy this podcast. Welcome to the world of Rex. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, every single one of you. I love you. My name is Marvel A. Rex. This is the world of Rex. Thank you for listening and tuning in. We are going to be looking at the energies of April 18th all the way until the 24th. Now, I have been talking for episodes now at this point about a roller coaster metaphor or analogy where we are clicking up, 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 up the roller coaster. And at some point in every roller coaster, uh, for any for all of us who have ridden on them, the roller coaster goes down, right? We always have that drop. And I would say from my calculations that energetically this week we are going to feel a shift in gravity. There will be a shift in the gravitational plane and we will start to head down on the ride. This is the beginning of a very charged time of the year. So April 20th to May 20th will be extremely charged. There is an air for each and every single one of us. This is not specific to any one archetypal person. This is every single person on the planet is going to be experiencing faded changes in their lives, in some area of their lives. Some people will feel it very personally and others will feel it more so through the lens of of other people who are getting particularly hit, right, by it. So... It's some, it's, there's degrees of intensity, but it's important to know that there will be changes that are happening in our lives that will be more obvious or more apparent during this month of, of time. And again, this will happen October 20th to November 20th as well. So there will be a little repeat. And I've been using the idea of like a, a play and that this is Act 1. Welcome to Act 1, everybody. April 20th to May 20th. Now, I, I want to talk about the minutia or some of the granular information that I'm looking at for the energies of this period of time, especially this week, as we move into a really dynamic time. I mean, this is a time where our adrenals may feel really tapped. There will be moments of incredible adrenaline. Um, Change always kind of precipitates adrenaline or cortisol, even stress hormone, because you're like, whoa, this is new information, or this is a, it could be an about face, a 180 that you are taking in your life. I'm going to try to give some practical advice in terms of how to sort of quote-unquote live correctly through this energy, which is a human design term, sometimes throws people off because they're like, look, there's there's no correct or incorrect way to live. But living efficiently is something that I think about a lot. It's like, how do you efficiently move about the world and how do you maintain a flow state? This is always something where it's like you aren't creating karma or chaos wherever you're going. 
So there are some methods that we're going to talk about in terms of how to navigate this energy because we are cruising down the roller coaster right now. It is start. It's not quite fully picked up speed. We're getting there, but this first week of the April twentieth to the to the May twentieth timeframe, we are definitely heading downward into a portal. If you, if you want to think about it that way, uh, and you will not be the same after some part of your life will not be the same after this um, April twentieth to May twentieth timeframe. Something will have changed. It could just be like a little click, you know, a little tiny change. It can also be a very big change, but either way. There's something that you do not get to go back up and up the roller coaster. You got to go down. Okay. So a few things I want to talk about. The energy that wakes up this week is known in the human design system as difficulty at the beginning. It also has a side, a side permutation called ordering and t talks about the experience of difficult beginnings, new beginnings. Um, they are surmountable. The difficulty is surmountable through strategy and authority and acceptance of limitation. So I talked in the first episode, I believe, the premiere episode about limitation. And this is going to come into major focus this week from the 18th to the 24th. There will be, especially coming down off of that full moon that just happened um, the week prior on the 16th, 15th, 16th, there will be things that you are integrating from that full moon, especially around relationships and how you decide to relate to other people and how they treat you, etc. All these things are coming into focus. You will be processing that information this week as a difficult new beginning presents itself. There's just could be difficulty surrounding it. It doesn't mean that the beginning is necessarily good or bad. It's just that there's some things that potentially don't have order and clarity yet. Now, there's two words that really come up around this energy a difficult new beginning. And the two words are patience and devotion. Patience and devotion is the prerequisite for the perfect timing for a successful mutation and new beginning. So if you know that April 20th to May 30 to May 20th, there is a mutation happening in your life somewhere, some part of your life is transforming, whether you want it to or not, this is really your ego aside, this is happening. And patience and devotion are two really incredible words to link yourself to during this period of time. I know that it, it could be repetitive or cliche, but both of them are grounding. And this energy we are entering into is grounding. However, because of the energies at present in 2022, the ground beneath our feet is shaking. And I know that we feel that on a collective level, uh, because this does this energy rules natural resources, this energy rules financial systems, this energy rules um, uh, oil and uh, wheat and food like this is all very earth energy and so with the ground shaking beneath our feet we have to cultivate personally each and every one of us as individuals you have to cultivate patience and devotion in a time when the earth is shaking beneath our feet devotion is very interesting so patience we get it's like okay but well let me let me actually start with patience patience is about not trying to force any kind of outcome based off of confusion and chaos. So I want you to actually know that it's okay this week. It's okay every week, but it's, it's especially okay this week from the 18th to the 24th to experience a degree of confusion because of the alterations that are happening that are actually beyond your ego's control. So when something happens beyond the ego or personality's control, we often have a physiological response to it, a somatic response that's, we were scared. You know, it's like, whoa, what's happening? Like, I, I don't have uh, my storyline, my telenovela inside my head doesn't have it didn't incorporate this initially. So like, what do I do? 
Um, this is where improv is really powerful for all the improv actors. It's like, yes, and okay, like, let's see. That's a great way to go into this energy. It's like, okay, let's see. Uh, but uh, most of the time we have a strong psychosomatic response that says, oh, I'm confused now. There's a little bit of chaos and I want to react so that I can somehow force order and clarity. <laughs> you really can't force order and clarity. It's a very, I would call it a very feminine process. It's a process of letting it in over time and really feeling things um, to find order and clarity and, and even praying. Prayer is really powerful for order and clarity or mantras are really powerful for order and clarity. But you need to give yourself time and space essentially and, um, and focus. But trying to force yourself out of confusion and chaos by taking a series of actions, especially between April 18th and May 30th, during this period of time, trying to force conclusions or force yourself out of confusion and chaos is a very inefficient practice during this period of time. This is where the patience key comes in. It is so key to be more of a witness during this period of time. All of my astrological clients that I work with, I always share with them during this period, these highlighted periods of time. Uh, this year, it's going to be April 20th to May 20th, like I said, and then October to November. I always tell my clients, be a witness in your life. Be a detective. Just pay attention to what's happening. Don't try to like be the circus ringleader. It's really not the time. Uh there are many, many cultures throughout the world that honor eclipses, which is what's happening right now. And they honor eclipses and even revere and even fear eclipses because it's when light disappeared from the earth, right? This is what an eclipse is, is like the light gets obscured. Uh, it has to do with the uh, dance between the sun, moon, and the earth, right? It's very powerful. I mean, this there's just so much literature around eclipses and like what they meant for cultures all across the world. And there is this fear because when light is gone or obscured, it's like, will it come back? And light has so much to do with, I mean, light is a very powerful metaphor in and of itself. And it's across all religions and all metaphysical practices. But light is the idea of knowledge or knowing something. When something is lit up, you know it, you see it, right? And when something is obscured, it's confusing. It's potentially chaotic. It's potentially dangerous. So eclipses were were you know, often positioned as dangerous periods of time. So that's why I use the roller coaster metaphor, because there is an element of risk when you're on a roller coaster. You know, you kind of believe you're safe. You're like, well, you know, I'm strapped in, but it's like, not necessarily, not necessarily. And you're on a ride and you can't get out of the roller coaster whenever you want to. That's the other thing. It's like, I see anxious people on roller coasters and I'm always like, wow, this is amazing that they're doing this because you can't opt out once you're in, once you're strapped in and it's moving. If you opt out, you're going to get seriously injured, right? So you have to kind of stay in the ride until it's over. You know, even if it's 90 seconds of hell, you're just like, you're in it. And this is not 90 seconds of hell. This is, you know, 30 plus days of a, a, ver a very varied, varied ride. Like this is, going to be a ride for sure. And you can't opt out. I mean, you could say that about life in general, but these periods of time, the stakes get higher, they get raised. The light gets obscured twice because there's two eclipses that happen during this period of time. The light gets obscured and there's sometimes where you just can't see your life or you can't see someone else's life or you can't understand why this thing is happening in your life. That's why it's so important to be extra conscious during this period of time. This period of time and then back in, and then again in October and November, having patience and devotion right now. And what is devotion? Okay, so patience. It's like being patient, 
not trying to opt out of the ride, not trying to like solve the problem immediately, being more of a passenger con consciousness. It's not about being a doormat. It's not saying, oh, people can just do whatever they want with me. No, no, no. You have your boundaries, but you also don't try to control other people. You don't try to control situations during eclipses. You just kind of like witness and watch and you ask. I always do a very humbling thing. And, you know, I, I use the phrase Hashem because I'm Jewish, but my understanding of God or universal consciousness, I just ask. I'm just like, hey, like, you know, what do I need to see? Tell me what I need to see. I'm here. I'm open. I'm receptive. I'm like a child. Please tell me what I need to see. And, you know, usually it presents itself pretty clearly. But that's because I'm asking and I'm desiring to see. This is a great period of time to desire to see what is happening beyond your control that's trying to teach you something. That's really trying to actually not even just teach you. Eclipses are all about alignment. They're, they're so powerful to me. Like, I'm just obsessed with the lunar nodes and eclipses. I mean, this is really... It's all about aligning you on the most efficient road to your destiny. I fully, firmly believe that. So they obscure things to realign you. Again, so this is a period of time where it's not like, oh, I can't see it, so I need to change it. It's like, okay, I can't see that for a moment. I can't understand that for a moment. I'm going to remember what Marvel said and just chill for a minute and witness it and try to really understand it from a parallaxical perspective, which means from all different kinds of angles instead of just immediately behaving on it immediately behaving on the obscuration. It's very dangerous, right? Now, devotion is about, I mean, there's so much devotion. It's like I could talk about devotion for hours. But here specifically, this is spring is now in full bloom at this period of time. I mean, it's really like we're in a, a fixed sense of spring. There, It's not just like things haven't just started to poke out. Things are fully flowering. And there is this element of like, how do we enjoy life? How do we get into the sensual nature of life? How do we get our feet really rooted on the ground when the ground is shaking? I mean, we need extra devotion at this time. N normally, like every, you know, this happens, this energy p appears every nine and a half years. This is a nine and a half year cycle. So normally, we're not experiencing a deep shaking under our, our feet. The earth is not shaking under our feet. And in fact, this energy is going to really calm down in 2026, but we have four more years of of a very uh, all systems change time. I mean, this is big. This is really big. It started in 2019. It ends in 2026. It's a very big energy coming in and saying, you know, we're going to shift our relationship to physical objects, including real estate, including the financial system, including um, natural resources. This is a big do-over that we're in all the way until 2026. But this ground shaking beneath our feet is so unstabilizing for all of us archetypally because we we rely on the ground. We rely on a couple things, gravity and and the fact that like it will bring us back down to the earth, right? So when the ground when the ground is shaking, we're like, "Oh no, 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 but this is the place that's usually like a rock. It's usually solid. Why why is it no longer solid?" So devotion comes in. Patience is like, okay, patience with the fact that the ground is shaking and I don't need to try to control the ground because I can't. Certainly, none of us as, as individuals can control the, we can't stop the massive amount of changes that are happening on a structural level right now. But devotion is saying, I am going to, tr it's a lot about trust, but it's like a, a very activated trust. It's not a, it's, it's less of a surrender trust and more of like, I'm going to keep moving forward in my lane towards the life that I want to build and the sustainability that I want to build. And I'm going to devote myself to that. 
which is a very humble space, by the way. Devotion is a, it's still very humble. It's not, oh, I'm going to do this at all costs, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, the obscuration's happening, but I don't care. I'm going to keep moving. No, 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 no. It's a lot more about being like, okay, there are things that I don't understand right now. On a collective level, um, in, my, in my community, in my own life, there are things that are obscured. And they may feel even more obscured during this week and the weeks to follow. And yet, I am going to work on the things that I know provide long-term, this is the really key part, the long-term sustainable practices that I am either reintegrating or putting in for the first time in my life. Having devotion to the process, even though it's scary. I use the word scary because the ground is shaking beneath our feet. So it is okay to feel afraid. It is okay to feel like you don't understand or don't know during this period of time, but also have a devotion towards the, the places that you see the long-term harvest, where you're like, okay, this is a behavior that I can carry with me for the rest of my life. And there are behaviors that we all are going to have to deal with and face this year that we cannot carry with us through the rest of our life. I'm having this on a very intimate level with myself. I'm taking a lot of stock, you know, with, with the South Node and Scorpio, we're all going to have to be faced with our addictions. We're going to have to be faced with the shadow sides or the, the parts of ourselves that we uh, make excuses for or just say, oh, it's not that bad, um, whatever. But there's deep psychic and even physical, tangible realities to the behavior that we do at, at all times. I just met with a friend who was explaining to me so eloquently that like, you know, everything you do has a signature. Everything you do physically in the world, psychically, emotionally, conceptually, mentally has a signature, has an energy. This is quantum mechanics, you know, at, at the baseline. And if you know that, then you start to ask yourself, well, what book am I writing? What are all the signatures? Like, wh what am I writing? What is the book of my life? And uh, developing consciousness around that allows you to find the more efficient modes of living that have long-term sustainable grounding responses and grounding results. And you have, you can also see the things where you're like, oof, like th this behavior is making me run out of ink. You know, <laughs> like I can't write them. I can't do, this is not going to work. This is a short-term fix. Um, and, you know, Brene Brown says something amazing. You know, she always has that thing where it's like, you know, you have to write your own life. Otherwise it, someone else will write it for you or some other substance will write it for you, or a relationship will write it for you. There's always this, especially during this time of the year, it's like, what do I need and how do I work diligently and devote myself towards practices that allow me to reach that zenith? This is a long-term gain, like gain. You know, this is, this is actually sacrificing things right now, especially during this month when things are going to be changing so much, sacrificing the desire to control and sacri sacrificing things that you know don't work for you, behaviors that you know you don't, that don't work for you, fears that you have that, don't, or that aren't serving you, sacrificing them in order to see the long goal, like look out at the sunset and be like, I'm going to get there. So patience and devotion are huge. So again, I'm going to just say one more time, there is a danger in this period uh, that you put, that we will feel propelled to push an, into a new direction in our life out of impatience and impulsiveness, which results in chaos and experiencing powerlessness, right? So that is the warning. That's the caveat that because we're impatient or impulsive, we try to like change or control, highly control the situation. It's better to be a little bit more of a detached Buddhic witness consciousness right now, especially the closer we get to April 30th, but we're ramping up. It's really happening. We're in it. The, as I said, the 
the uh, roller coaster is moving down. It's shooting down. So, I, you know, take a take like a sort of body scan this week and ask yourself, like, am I feeling instability, chaos, deflated energy, stagnation? These are not necessarily, I'm not saying that these are bad things, quote unquote. They're actually really great indicators that you are trying to control an element of life that is changing right now and just spend some time massaging them psychically and being like, okay, like I'm going to let that go. I'm going to just try to reframe. I'm going to do something. Some of the, the ways to mitigate this energy, like I said last week, are to engage in artistic projects, to engage in uh collaboration with other people there's so much artistic and psychic and like woo-woo energy in the in the air i mean it's it's never going to repeat itself 2022 in our lifetime it's never going to repeat itself we're having a once in a lifetime like build up uh of artistic energy i mean this is so cool and it's going to actually last we'll we'll get the runoff the watery runoff of it for a couple years after this even maybe as long as a decade i'm excited for that there's obviously a shadow side to it, but the bright and high vibe side of it is is just incredible artistry and incredible modes of uh, coming together over spiritual or numinous ideas, collaborations. So, and and not just spiritual in the way of like organized religion. Like you can experience spirituality in so many different contexts. You can experience it on a film set. You can experience it at the opera. You can experience it. Um, you know, playing basketball with a group of your friends. Like this is just really powerful energy of collaboration, creativity, fun. There is a very pressurized energy that's very serious and is very destabilizing for us as humans right now. And it's forcing energy and forcing us to all look at a sort of archetype. And that archetype is the archetype of the inner child and joy. And so I'm going to leave this uh, first segment with the idea for you this week, as the world is shaking, as the ground beneath you is shaking, as you have to kind of sit into your passenger seat of your life and let some things change in front of you, which will be scary, potentially. The thing to hold on to, apart from patience and devotion to yourself and to your long-term sustainable path, is joy and your inner child. There is so much solace and so much like even refuge in engaging in things that bring you joy once a day. That would be my, <laughs> would be my homework for you is that once a day, find some time to laugh, to play. Athletics is really great for this. Like again, like a game of basketball, that's definitely joy for me, but not everybody, but like, you know, whatever your equivalent is. Uh, it can be so many different things, but something that takes your mind out of the immense, immensely serious energy that's happening. Because when systems go, when it, when we undergo like incredible systematic change, it can feel extremely quote unquote depressive to use the uh, the Satur Saturnian term. I mean, it's a depression, right? Or a repression or a... Uh, uh, a recession like all these words are just like oh you know grand recession inflation all these things it's like that's all very much the world of the material plane and the ways that it can feel very limit limited and restricted so when that's happening there's all there always needs to be a balancing approach to how we make it through these kinds of times and the balancing approach especially this month coming up april 20th to may 20th starting this week finding 
time out of your day every day to play, to be goofy, to like even be like just spontaneous and and weird and and give yourself permission to like babble or, you know, laugh or whatever, you know, cackle, um, you know, ask someone to dance with you, dance by yourself. Like these kinds of things will help shake us out of how much responsibility each and every one of us has right now, which is good, but also without the balance of joy, play, and talking to the inner child, it, it can actually create an inefficiency in the process, and it can make us more reactive and more uh, attempting to control because we think we have it all figured out because we're so responsible. It's like, yeah, and we're also like little meat puppet babies, you know? <laughs> we're just trying to figure it out a day at a time. So patience, devotion, and then really talking to your inner child and having some fun with your inner child and having fun with other people's inner childs. You know, adults are all big babies, okay? <laughs> um I'll save my Burning Man story for that uh, for another time. I actually haven't been to Burning Man, but uh, it, I, I had it anyway. Tangential Burning Man story that has to do with every having a, a very elucidating moment of realizing that everyone is a large baby. As much as adults try to adult around and be like, "I got it all figured out," yeah. Well, um, they there's a one of my fam- favorite quotes is the kingdom of consciousness belongs to that of a child. That's something to just mull over a little bit. But that's part of the energy right now is just having some fun playing and seeing things in a more innocent way, in a more expansive, open, and uh, receptive way, especially during this time of change. So that being said, we are going to talk to my dear friend, Alice Allen. Now, he and I had a very fluid, lovely conversation that had no structure whatsoever uh, and became structured in and of itself. It's the combustion of two beings. He's an incredibly talented actor, multi-hyphenate artist, and we are going to talk about any and everything. So please enjoy Ellis Allen, and um, thank you for listening. Welcome, Ellis Allen, to the world of Rex. I am so excited to have you on. I We're just going to have a conversation. We're going to see where it goes. I'm right. so stoked. Ellis is a multi-hyphenate creative being you want to say hello and maybe share a little bit about who you are and what you're doing right now oh hi people um (laughs) (laughs) uh, i'm i'm ellis i'm a human being i think uh as marvel stated i (laughs) and an aries it's your birthday season yeah march 26th i had a birthday you know another year older yay Mm -hmm. um you know but uh i I don't know I, i always love learning and stuff like that which aids my creative mind or feelings and stuff like that so i uh i don't know i'm really bad at talking about myself I don't. <laughs> we're gonna get you to do it today yes. i never know what to say i just feel like i'm just a regular being like everybody else and yes. it's not worth talking about i don't know oh my God. Very strange. And, yet, and yet you're in los angeles which is a city where everyone's constantly like this is what i do this is mm-hmm. who i am yeah everyone is very presentational and even though i love acting and i love performing and all that i always separate it as something that i love to do but i'm still a human being who's not always you know belting out you know a show tune or doing an eight count in the middle of <laughs> a target um but yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah, I don't know. I can't always be on like that. That's so, that's, it's not strange to me. I absolutely understand it. I get why people do it. But for me, mm-hmm. uh, that's not my ministry. Um, yes. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, you know, tap dancing all the time. 
Yeah. Well, my question for my first question for you is like, how did you end up in LA as someone who, I mean, I love the humility to mm-hmm. which you're speaking to. You're like, I'm not going to be doing that in a target, but, and it's a lot for me, even as someone Ooh. who is, is loves to proclaim. Um, how did you end up in Los Angeles? And like, yeah, let's talk about it. Well, we're just born here. Uh, okay. Was- <laughs> you're like, oh, I, okay. I love how I assumed you were a transplant like everyone else in the city. Oh, okay. No. Born and raised. Was, yeah. Born here. I often tell people that I was uh, born, uh, I lived back and forth in New York. I always lived in New York, but then I felt like I became more of a person in New York. So mm. I attribute my, uh, like my adult birth in New York and my actual physical birth in LA. I uh, like but that I was, term, adult yeah. birth. Yeah, because I mean, there's a lot of things that for me, uh, you know, for myself, there's a lot of things that I've always wanted to do and or be or, you know, say and stuff and kind of growing up where I was with people, uh, I often feel they were the audience for that. Mm. Um, And so when I went to New York and I found that there were people everywhere, uh, all different kinds of people who are open to different ideas and just always into learning and creating and and open to adjusting themselves and their views. I thought it was just, I have found my people. So that's why I attribute my my adult birth. Yes, New York. <laughs> my awakening. Uh, but you know, I was born here. Um, my parents, you know, they moved here. My dad's from Texas, my mom is from Chicago. So their family moved here when they were very young. Um, and my mom's family, um, her mother and her two brothers, uh, they worked for Motown. So okay. my, I come from a big musical family. My great grandfather on my maternal side, he was a blues musician and he Incredible. was uh, working at Chess Records. So all of his uh, co-workers were uh, Etta James and Muddy Waters and Chuck Berry and all those people. And so I grew up um, hearing all those people and my grandfather would always play the piano around me and, and I would see all these things. And so musicality and artisticness is all in my family, my grandmother, She's fantastic and everything. Great singer, mm. you know, could could have been Aretha Franklin had she chose, you know, <laughs> right. to raise her kids instead. Uh, but yeah, it's all artisticness stuff that's in my family. Yeah. You're like an entertainment industry family in that way. In like, a way, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you sing? I do. Okay. I do Amazing. sing. Yeah, I, I do a little bit of everything because I've always felt that it's boring. <laughs> to just to just do one thing and I've but I also I always had like an interest in a lot of things so mm-hmm. yeah I do I do a lot of stuff and I think it's cool to do a lot of stuff I always find myself being very handy to yeah. people because I you wear things. many hats <laughs> wear many hats yeah yes. many church hats yes and so how long were you in New York and then why come and then why back to LA you made like the the return home the prodigal son Oh Lord! Well, no, 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 no. I would, well, I would visit New York and then I moved there um, on a whim. Um, one time, I was uh, going with my friend Anthony, who just whose birthday is today, by the way. So happy oh, birthday, Anthony! Aries. Happy birthday, Anthony! <laughs> uh, but we went to New York, and I decided that I just wanted to stay. So the third day in, I uh, made some calls to friends that I had in the city or that I knew who might know of job openings and. Uh, had friends who were already there and looking to move. So I moved in with them, found a job and didn't come back. And I was there for about five years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was great. <laughs> that was great. And the reason why I came back is uh, instead of me doing artistic things, uh, like I should have all the time, I um, 
worked in finance and mm, <laughs> and then you got you got sucked into that new york yeah of finance oh my god yes i worked in silicon alley they call it in new york because it's right in uh the chelsea district on 27th sure and six and that's where all the tech fintech people are um wow. and i was doing all this training and i just got a weird feeling that they were trying to get rid of my team and department and the people that mm. I work with in that area <laughs> they kept sending me to Ohio to train people and I was like oh this this doesn't sit right with me and I was absolutely correct they fired every single one <laughs> you foresaw oh my gosh Silicon oh, Alley I've never even yeah. heard of yeah. this wow that's just one like they call it like one street in New York where all the yeah. tech people are but yeah then I then I didn't use any of my contacts in New York I would say I didn't utilize anyone I just came back to LA Mm -hmm. uh, I thought I had more artistic things to do. And I did. When I got back here, I did a lot of uh, theater things uh, okay. with my friends and staging and makeup and a lot of photography things and did a couple of shows. Um, that was fun. So, yeah, it's time for a shakeup. Yeah. Are you thinking about moving or are you? I need to do something. I... <laughs> uh, either because I was thinking about a lot of the things that I want to uh, audition for acting mm. it's all located in Atlanta that's Atlanta. where a lot of people are doing things and I just like oh maybe I should just you know try and do things there uh for a little bit I don't mind moving and you know trying a new yeah. area or space and so yeah I don't know maybe this is maybe. super interesting that you brought up Atlanta this is all actor speak that we're about to mm -hmm. jump into here but yeah you know, if the audience can bear with us, Atlanta does seem partially it's like cost of living for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, let's be real. Not that it's like cheap necessarily, yeah. but comparatively but you find some deals. Yeah. And comparatively to LA right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But also Atlanta seems I've been reading more articles where it's like, everyone's like Atlanta, like Atlanta, mm -hmm. like there's a lot. I feel like you would land tons of roles in Atlanta. I just feel like, and there's just more maybe opportunities Probably. Uh, well, I feel like a lot of the the productions that cast black people—that's <laughs> exactly what I'm saying. Um, you got it. You got are it. Are located in Atlanta, mm -hmm. so uh, yeah. yeah. You know what? And oh God, oh sweet Jesus! I probably <laughs> wouldn't. Uh, like, we go listen. down that wormhole. Wormhole. No, okay, listen, people. I I listen. I appreciate Tyler Perry. Um, and in all of what he's done and accomplished as an African-American male, yes. uh, as a creative, as an entertainer. Um, but sometimes I just feel like it would not hurt if he got a little outside help from, because I know that he's, a, he's against that. So I'm giving him, I'm giving him caveats. And I'm, you know, I'm giving him options. Yes. If he got it from people that he trusted on mm -hmm. some of his work. Mm. I I watch things of his to, you know, I, I like to be informed before mm. I have an opinion about things. Mm -hmm. I, don't like, I don't like to trash talk anything or just like, you know, I don't like to down anybody for the most part or anything. Because people are working hard no matter what it is, whether you oh, like yeah. it or not. Somebody has a dream, somebody's making it work, and they're doing what they got to do and yes. good for them. Um, but sometimes the... <laughs> the uh the speed <laughs> mm. Mm. and the quantity of what we get isn't always good quality in the writing yes. yeah. and it kind of sometimes irks my my little black soul because a lot of the people who are watching his stuff are black people mm -hmm. and some of the things that are in his writing are very um 
sometimes racially insensitive yeah um to not only ourselves but you know black people a lot of like racial tropes uh but also just you know i i find things about uh, homosexual people in there that i'm like and and also and i've even watched a show sometimes where the 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 main characters were all black women and one of them was dating a caucasian male and they wrote the caucasian male to be very nice and he was a good character for the most part and then they just had her react to something he did and made it seem like he was being racist and it was not and then it was done in such a way that was comical comical <laughs> hash quotes comical yeah but also it was harmful because it was making a mockery of things that actually are racist mm. and microaggression and i was like this isn't helping yeah. <laughs> like, yeah and for so many and so many of you know i know older black women that i know or older black men or people i know who watch it yeah like a lot of our older, you know, white parents oh, yeah. watching Fox News and they're reporting it back to the younger generation. And I'm like, and that, I get that. From, and I'm like, that's not, mm-hmm. that's not correct. That's mm-hmm. not how, you know, gay people are, trans people are, white people are, mm-hmm. you know, Asian Americans are, Latino Americans. Like, mm-hmm. it's just you, those tropes need to be fixed. And then when you're yes. in that position to touch a lot of people, I feel like he can, he could do a little better yeah. <laughs> yeah. with that stuff. So I, I'm not, not against you know him at all want him to thrive but it's also come on tyler yeah come on man (laughs) and a big this is something i think about as like a trans creator too it's like who has the money bags or who has access but you hustle really really hard then you break through like tyler perry did you make a ton of money and then it's like of course he's still obviously pumping things out like you can't stop the man which is great but like you said it's like what about thinking about are you making more of a mess than you are making art yes. that's always the question like yes. are you making more of a mess than you are making art is your art yes. making a mess that someone else has to clean up ultimately yes and, and, is it, and is it doing more harm than good because you see uh, people thinking that you know like even, even when I, 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 I this is why I say that Tyler Perry is the uh, Ryan Murphy for black people uh, 100%. Um, be, Oof, Ryan. <laughs> oh Ryan because, you know, because Ryan he pumps things out and people love Ryan Murphy's stuff and you watch it and you're like, mm. as someone, people in those communities, if when you're outside of it, me. you're like, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. and it's just, <sighs> that's how I felt about Pose, the entirety of it. Yeah. I yes. was like, oh no. And especially me knowing people <laughs> in the ballroom scene, yeah. people in New York, people who do, you know, it's, I just interviewed, you know, Ellis, Ellis, the, the episode that's coming out right before yours, I interviewed Sid Ballou, who is a uh, ballroom historian, right? A, you know, like a trans man of color who's like, I'm doing the history, first person account. And I'm sitting there. I don't think I mentioned Pose during your interview, but I was sitting there being like, thank God <laughs> that this is yeah. going to, that he's creating content to kind of offset Ryan Murphy. And it's just, and, and that is always my thing. And that's probably why I will, I will never probably be or get to do anything at prominence <laughs> or, or oh. I tell people, oh, I will forever be broke because it's just, I, there's certain things I will not do. Um, and not that I'm on a high horse about, you know, the kind of person I am or my, you know, I'm a human, I'm flawed and I've done horrible things, you know, but I have their self-reflection to apologize to people or try to be yeah. a better person or move yes. forward and be, you know? And so when I see these scripts or things, or I see the work that's out there or people, and I'm like, how, how do you with good conscience mm. be in it? I know everyone has to eat. I know, you know, mm-hmm. everyone has to live and, you know, people, people need their money, but it's just, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially like if, like if I knew someone like had sexually assaulted my friend, and even though they were a big producer, I would never Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, uh, <laughs> Harvey Weinstein, no. produce my stuff knowing no. that he sexually assaulted my wife. You know what I mean? Yes. That's weird. It's, that is I to me agree. that's weird. Yeah. And it's the and it's the, the the proximity to the power of whiteness, I yes. would say. Uh there's a lot of people who and and not that I am not speaking for Tyler Perry, but just and that's why I wanted to uh how my Ava Duvernay. Uh because a lot of the mm-hmm. times her Oprah, uh Tyler Perry, uh Lee Daniels, they have made it into a certain group of, mm. you know, stardom and their their treatment and or their words towards black people have not been the best they kind of bill cosby this with a pound cake speech wow. <laughs> you know, okay. with their takes yep. on things and so it kind of frustrates me because people are like oh they're great yes i'm glad they're in those positions yes i'm yes. glad oprah who started off with nothing is a billionaire yes i'm glad ava duvernay who's a black woman director is made, making great things however yes. are you doing more harm than good yeah I, you know what it's just uh, it's yeah, a great question <laughs> i mean you're bringing something up that i'm thinking about where it's like you're talking about this proximity to whiteness and maleness mm-hmm. but 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 very but first and foremost whiteness that it's like and i i i understand from a trans perspective even in trying to navigate hollywood in the entertainment industry getting close to like white cisness and getting in proximity to that it's like how do you play with the devil and not become the devil? Yes. I mean that's yes. a it's I like I don't have the answer to that, but it's something yes. I think about all the time. Yes. And and even and even uh cuz my I study psychology and that's one of my big things and I'm naturally very empathetic with people cuz I can I can understand where they're coming from. I'm not mm-hmm. I don't think that my experience is, you know, a monolith or I you know everything I do is in a vacuum and everyone has that experience. I've always been aware that you know other people are going through things. Uh, I always think of like moths to a flame, but everyone's trying to get to that fire. Everyone's trying yeah. to get a hold of the power. And there is a lot of like skirting ethics and being like, you know what? I'm just not going to care about that right now because I'm going to yeah. get the bag. I'm going to get the bag. So, that's so weird to me because I always feel like there's so much power in community mm. and there's always so much power in uplifting other people. And I, and, it's, and I find myself being alone all the time. I mean, I, I do have great friends. I know wonderful people, but yeah. I've always wanted to... Uh, which I'm glad I'm doing this with you and Jonathan and yes, other people that I are yes. my creative friends yes. because it's it's you're you guys are building the community within other artists that you know. Yeah. But I've always been like I want to bring my friends with me. I know so many talented people. Yep. Who are better than me a lot of things. Yeah. Oh my God. Same. And yes. yeah, and it's like yes. and that and to me that makes me just want to be a better artist. And there, it, but other people I find that they it's more of a jealousy. I have to be the number one. Yeah. The main attraction thing and. Yes. Stepping, yeah, so, uh, yeah, sort of stepping over folks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And yeah, the ethics go out the window. The friendships go out the window. The mm-hmm. empathy is gone. It's mm-hmm. just the check. <laughs> and that's late capitalism. Like that's late capitalism. Yes. And that's people. And, you know, as, as saying you studied psychology, it's like we know. We know that late capitalism, like infects you, like it gets inside mm-hmm. of you mm-hmm. like you internalize the modes of it and then you're like mm-hmm. yeah i'll just step over that person to get here and, yeah. and one thing that john and i are when we pitch our pro- like our properties we're always saying to folks like we're in we're trying to get into the system so we're already saying okay we're going into the devil's lair like okay we admit we admit we're going yeah. into a dangerous situation with a bunch of sharks especially yeah. like finance the financial people Yes, of sharks trash they're like how do we make money off of you we can't mm-hmm. actually come up with the creative ideas but we can make the money 
off of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know we're going into the shark lair, the you know the cave, the scary devil cave. But how do we do it in a way where we're? I mean, we pitched the idea of like Dumbledore's army. That's John's yeah. phrase, which is like building a group of folks like helping helping bring people with us i'm not trying to go into hollywood being like look at me i'm a i'm a model all by like, myself yeah it's hell no so, it's such a weird thing and even people who do that i'm like everyone has help everyone has help Can no I matter how you? small yeah yes everyone and, 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 yes, and no one's su- tell me something <laughs> yes and no one's su- no one's success yeah you're like please no one's success is actually their own that's the other thing someone yeah. said that to me on a panel the other day um i was on a panel with an amazing non-binary photographer i think their name is liam wood liam woods um but anyway they said something in the panel where they were like no one's success is their own it's always a community's success but we pretend it's not everyone who's mm-hmm. like i made it they're like Okay, no. but where was the team and the people who no. helped you and took a chance? Yeah. Do you know, I tell my friends all the time, anyone who's done anything for me, I said, you're going to my Academy Award speech. And they probably think I'm joking and I'm so fucking serious. Yeah, yeah. There, there are so many people that have done the smallest things for me that I have stored in my memory bank. And I'm trying to think of some way to pay them back. Yes. I am just that person. Even people who've given me money and I've already paid them back. Yeah. I'm thinking of ways that I could help them yeah. If I'm in a position to help them. And yes. it's just so it's baffling me when people just don't, they just they're not like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Can I tell you though, my observation of the folks who are like, it's all me, I did it. And it's very yeah. like they're up on a mountain by themselves. I've my observation has been that those folks are actually the most like psychologically unstable. Like they're it's really a tenuous place for them because they mm-hmm. are they are they're not acknowledging that it was a community that got them there and therefore mm-hmm. they are generally like very isolated or yeah. are paranoid because they're very insecure take my who's going to come take my my cake and it's like babe yeah. that wasn't even your cake to begin with like no no <laughs> no and, I, and for me i always baking a cake in the hope that other people will enjoy it eat it exactly and hollywood's <laughs> tough because the disease of like white cis hetero men is and i mean that with a lot of compassion i have you know i have two brothers who fit those descriptions yeah. the disease in this industry around it is that these men because of their power and privilege feel they do not feel beholden to anybody nobody at all yeah because they um, remain unchecked. Yeah. But people are like, oh, this is great. And like, well, I'm making all this money and everyone's enjoying it. So I must be doing something right. You can't yeah. tell me anything. I can tell you a lot of things, actually. But, <laughs> but yeah. hey, and also that's one of the things that I pride about myself that I love about myself is that I'm always open for adjustments. Mm, same. If I'm yeah. saying something wrong or if I don't know anything or, you know, I, I misspoke or please correct me. Yeah. <laughs> please, please let me know. Please, you know, and even if I know something that I, uh, that other people, I, you know, mismatching information, or I like to call it, I'm, I never approach it like, oh, that's wrong. I'm like, well, you know, I learned this way. I didn't know that that was, that was a different way. It, it's always like, not a shaming thing. Like, oh, that's yeah. just different. <laughs> that's yeah. that's you. That's <clears throat> you. Like rising above the current cancel culture. That's trash so wave. Intense right now. And the thing yeah. is, there is no cancel culture because everyone who keeps complaining about being canceled is absolutely fine and millionaires. Yeah. Dave Chappelle cries all the time about being canceled, but yet he's still going to his tours and he's fine. But like it's 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 nonsense. Joe Rogan, he's just he's crying about being canceled because he can't say nigger on his podcast, but he's yeah. he's, he's he's still, still doing fine. his podcast. I felt it's, that way about Will Smith and Chris Rock. I was like, they're fine. That's all fine. good. <laughs> they're fine. No one. No cares. one's gonna care. No one's gonna and care also, in a little while. Yeah. 
And also the Academy, please, please oh, don't be on your high horse. Harvey Weinstein has 81 Oscars and yet one has been revoked. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. One. No, I know. Not I, one. I thought about that. I was like, the Academy is releasing these statements and I'm like, just shut up. And it's like, and it would be different if like Will Smith <laughs> had like walked up on the stage randomly and, you know, just unprovoked. Yeah. unprovoked and attack some random lady or something just stupid or like Chris Rock didn't even say anything about Jada or anything like that. But they have a long standy beef. Chris Rock has been weird towards Jada. And yeah. to me, it was just like two adult, an adult slapped another one and we yeah. kept on going. And I get that it made the white people uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, the Academy is all like what? Geriatric white people, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, they can excuse racism and sexual assault, but somebody slapping another man on stage is just too much for them. <laughs> <laughs> everything yeah. else is, is great oh man yeah i just i just feel like it's a lot of weirdness i feel like it, it, to me it just seems like janet jackson in the super bowl all over again <laughs> yes and that's a really just, good analogy actually she just, she just got the shit in on the stick people didn't look at the actual cause of why she was being targeted or why it was an issue or why you know youtube was created so people can look at her titty and you know and why it was such a big deal they just yeah. They just blamed her the whole time, and now Will Smith is getting blamed the whole time. <laughs> and the Academy's like, "Ooh, let them, let's blame Will, so we can they can ignore all of our other nonsense yeah. and our oh, other yeah. racism and our other sexism and our other stuff. Let's just let's put all this and let's make him an scapegoat. Example. Scapegoat, one hundred percent. Nothing that it was correct. Like, yeah, you know, you know, nothing that it's like you should. I mean, you shouldn't be hitting people, but <laughs> I get it. You shouldn't be talking shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, such, it's, also, it's, it's such a culture yeah it's such a cultural black thing because especially in new york i've seen people oh my god all the time ass in new york and they move on from it yeah i saw this black and white lady go at it at the subway and then two seconds later a, a lady needed help and the other lady helped her and they started giggling and it was yep. all it happens <laughs> It's a different way of communicating. I do yeah. wish, I wish that culturally that we had an understanding of like intersectionality and like yes. how, right. And how all these power and privilege modes are intersecting. Mm -hmm. Cause I would, all these white people talking about what happened at the Oscars. And I'm like, we, I, I was blessed enough in my early twenties to take critical race, gender and sexuality studies, which now all of a sudden the Republicans have figured out what critical race yeah. is like a decade fucking later. Um, <laughs> but I was lucky to, to have, an understanding of it where I'm like, it, it, there's power and privilege intersections that make it totally, I imagine, I was like, what would it be like if Bradley Cooper came up and slapped? It would never happen. The reason it would never happen is not because Bradley Cooper wouldn't hit another person, but it's because white men are in such a, cis white men are in such a degree of privilege that their masculinity wouldn't be threatened in that way. Yeah. That to make them go and do something like that on TV, but it's like there's a there's a very different reality for black and white men, just in general. Yeah, and also I feel like if Bradley Cooper did go up there and slap, uh, who would it Tatum, be? Yeah, Channing you know, Tatum or Matt Damon? You know, I'm like, who is Matt, it? Who is you know Matt? Probably Mark Wahlberg because I can't. Yeah, Mark you're right. It's Mark, <laughs> it's Mark. It's Boston. It's Boston. Like, yeah, yeah. Like if you were to slap him, I feel like the reaction would be so much more. Ooh, that's so sexy. And look at Bradley Cooper uh... being all man. He's a big man. Him, he's a big, strong man. And look at, ooh, he's so, ooh, like I would, and this is like, what? Yep. <laughs> what? It's, yeah, the yeah, reaction. Right. It's, it's like the glory of, it's like the glory of what they do. Totally. Yes. 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 It's, and it, it, and again, it's just different. And it's very, it's so, 
layered and it's very hard to really go into people who never had the experience yes. unwilling to look into the experience um and just go beyond their own it's just always yeah it's hard to have those conversations so a lot of times the people just say a lot of nonsense now i'm just yeah. like yeah <laughs> and it happened on a world stage so it's like it's yeah. one of those things where i mean you know this as a performer and i know this as a performer shit's really different when there's cameras on you and mm -hmm. when and also i've never been at the oscar so i don't know what yeah. it's like to have however millions of people are watching live like i don't know what that's like no hot hot lots, i'm lots sure <laughs> right like yeah i know you're sweating in your suit and also your wife oh, is pissed man. all of a sudden so you're like what do i do you know oh man i mean it's a so lot weird. it's yeah. a lot uh yeah i feel i feel that I, yeah, I feel that Will was, and also it's a lot of things with Will. I just tired of people just talking about him and Jada, even though him and Jada talk about him and Jada a lot. I know. But that's right. <laughs> you know, the thing, but also I, I also tell people too, I say people keep uh, um, misunderstanding like consent of them talking mm -hmm. about something and other mm -hmm. people. I can talk about myself all I want. Yes. You yes. know what I mean? And I, yes. and, like, I, and I talk to people that are also about like uh, racial things and how uh, a lot of my, the white people that I know get upset that people who are in certain uh, like gay people can call each other certain you know nicknames or black people or mm -hmm. Latino people and I was like well it's it's our not a, necessarily a wound but it's like let's say, let's say you have a bruise yes and it feels good to you and you want to push it that I mean you come over here and keep pushing on my bruise that is my <laughs> exactly that is mine to touch. Well, that's a know? great way to describe it it's you know a bruise I mean? so no one's allowed to come up and just put like push your bruise push it sure it's there sure you can see it sure you yeah. see me touching on it but that doesn't mean you have the right to come in there with, Ooh, let me <laughs> it's so weird yeah and for me that's always been i've always gotten that yeah like certain things are not for me and that's okay yes. i am not upset that I can't use, you know, tampons for women. You know what I mean? Like, and like, why am I upset that that's being, and I know men who are like, oh, that shouldn't be sold in the store and that's inappropriate. How? <laughs> women have periods. People yeah. have periods. Yes, you know period. I mean? it's, it, yeah. it, it, it happens. It's, it, and you're upset. <laughs> the thing that you just said right now, I want to just double down and emphasize like the fact you just said basically like, the reality of of knowing that some things are not for you and being cool with it uh, uh, rather okay. than than taking it as a personal attack people really yes. are like it's a personal attack because like why why am i not allowed to do that yeah why yeah. why why am i not allowed in that space because you're not and that's yeah. just how it is yes let it go there, yeah. and the thing is for me there's a plethora of things i can be doing yes <laughs> so why would thank I you yeah. then waste energy on trying to invade your space or try to ruin your day or ruin doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. I know human because I have self awareness yes. and emotional intelligence. A lot of people are missing emotional intelligence. And I know. Uh, <laughs> I keep. <laughs> I think about. I think about a lot about the education system, and I. I had a really hard time, obviously. In um, I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. I had a really hard time. <gasps> great. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not from Salt Lake City. Not Mormon, uh, but wow. Um, oh yeah, I've been a few times. Scary. Scary. Uh, scary. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. And you know, because I was like probably the only like. I was never really able to pass as cis. Like I tried really hard. Wow. Um, by the way, fun story. <laughs> I had a girl named Brianna Davidson. If she's listening to this, oh my God, girl. She came up to me. She was one of the few, like there was, I mean, Salt Lake's like 90% white yeah. and very scary Christian. And, oh, um, oh yeah, right. <laughs> and so Brianna Davidson was like half black. She 
came up to me at in seventh grade because she was like she was she we went to a catholic school she was one of the few folks who had like a a scholarship to go there yeah and bless her heart i love her actually i love brianna because she came up to me she had the audacity as a seventh grader to come up to me and be like girl you know who you look like you look like the wayans brothers from white chicks <laughs> that's what i looked like in seventh grade and i could not i was like girl but she clocked my gender she clocked my gender before anyone else did before i did i was like damn brianna she saw me i was like wait i am trying to do lady drag and i'm not doing it well like i am not doing <laughs> i know i know she fucking saw me she fully oh, saw man. me i mean her, broke my heart as a seventh grader because it was like damn that's a burn yeah like, i'm failing as a woman but i surely did um <laughs> i surely was and i surely did <laughs> i know i should not be laughing like that but i really want to see you isn't that in great seventh grade now now yeah long hair i mean like look at oh, just watch wow. white chicks and you'll get like a pretty good idea <laughs> talk about a movie oh my god um oh man so yeah it's a whole thing and i actually wanted to ask you a question about acting specifically yeah this is something that i'm coming up against in my quote-unquote otherness as like a trans man is the trans roles that i read for are cringe mostly very cringe and i'm i'm curious for you as an actor like do you feel is part do you feel like racism within the casting process like do you want to talk about that what oh yeah you, yeah oh that's oh, yeah, absolutely because <laughs> it's tough for yeah i feel it on my side you know yeah and, and i and i can't imagine the microaggressions you also have to deal with with people uh when they find out you are especially trans, men like, especially cis men oh my god they are the worst and uh, I had an opportunity to work um, with the Mouse House on a few shows mm -hmm. and things and being in that corporate world around those uh, cisgender white males yeah. um, was very jarring, not only mm -hmm. with a racist microaggression, they were being very sexist to the, oh, yeah. uh, the female um, PAs and just the other women in the office. and. And it's really gross for some of the women there are like, oh, that's just the way it is. And it's like, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Mm -mm. Like, you go right ahead if that's what you want. But as far as racism, yes, I see it all the time. One of the first things uh, that I uh, went and auditioned for um, or went to go look into because it was an option, um, a friend of mine, her name is Keontae, Keontae Jones. She's fantastic. Uh, she wanted to be an actress and model too. And she resembles Aaliyah so much. Like wow. and the, 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 yes. the coloring and the eyebrows and the hair, two beautiful women. Mm. Uh, we went to the Sunset Gower Studios. And at the time uh, it was like a, the lady met with us and she was uh, showing us what we could read for, what was coming up. And at the time, it was the Lindsay Lohan. I was there for the Lindsay Lohan movie called, I think they called it called Just My Luck or some shit oh, like that. Oh, my God. And <laughs> Lindsay Lohan coming up again. She always makes yeah. her way onto the podcast. <laughs> oh, Lindsay. Sweet Lindsay. Lindsay. Uh, and the lady, I was like, oh, yeah, I could be interested in that. And the lady laughed. And she was like, oh, no, that's not for you. Mind you, the breakdown of the lead character had no race in it. I was gonna say, I'm looking at the casting right now for Just My Luck, and it is Lindsay, Chris Pine, white, and a, <laughs> and a bunch and a bunch of white women, including yeah. Missy Pyle. There is mm. one man of color named Faison Love, Damon yeah. Phillips. And look and look at look at him. He's he's heavier. He's the yeah. like the clown. He's the <laughs> only person of color on this script. No, wait, yeah. Jacqueline Fleming. I'm not sure that. Yeah. No, yeah, no, definitely the only only person yeah, of color on, on she that. She laughed in my face, and I was like, "Damn!" 
god damn but she also yeah laughed. oh my god wow but even the recent like one of the recent shows that i've worked on um looking at uh the casting they uh it was everyone was white and there was a uh, south asian man in the cast and they were trying to figure out uh, a name for him he was a dad of one of the characters mm-hmm. and when i tell you <laughs> oh no the racist names and or the things that they were like joking about as to naming him or in mm. in the other characters around and just just in a bunch of just older white women a bunch of older white men the comments they're making about the casting and and they cast based on who they want to sleep with and uh, yeah no yes yes <laughs> I've heard this many, many like, times. Yeah. Oh my God. So girl, and, it, and what was weird because uh, I went on the set, everyone knew that I could act also. And one of the actors they called in for one of the scenes, we were, uh, it was an apartment scene and it was supposed to be like a quick shot. And we were supposed to be moving on to the next thing. It took four hours for this untalented man to yeah. come into the house to congratulate his fiance. And then there was a couple of times the director was like, you know what? It's okay let's you know let's ad lib let's like you know you know make it fun he just had the lines the way they were written yeah. without a without any kind of <laughs> and people were like ellis go do it and i was like i could do it i was like but they're not looking for anyone who looks like me with you know mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. and yeah but that man we could have, we could have been out of there that's yeah. so gross <laughs> this is a thing that folks folk for folks who are not in hollywood this is an interesting yeah. moment that you're fleshing out here because talent definitely there's talent in the city there's talent mm-hmm. in new york mm-hmm. talent is not a prerequisite no being in hollywood <laughs> no I, it's about the, it's about the looks yeah. the abs and who's pretty and who mm-hmm. has you know the the the, <laughs> the creams and the followers and mm-hmm. you know the latest clothes and it's mm-hmm. not about talent at all because a lot of these people are untalented it was something for me as I came out of the fine art world and I work, I work just really hard, even as an artist prior to Hollywood. You, uh, yes. You're a fantastic uh, artist all around. And, and, but come and thank you. Thank you. And, and coming out welcome. of coming out of the fine art world, I was like, Oh, like merit and talent. Like you earn, you know, you earn your space. And I came into Hollywood and I was like, this is a free for all. This it. is a pirate yeah. ship. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> it's not it. I think part of what I'm working toward, and I know John's working toward, and I know that you're fully on board with because you're you're saying all these things to me, mm-hmm. is like how do you change the structure or or at least have your journey? You know, I'm just gonna forget about all the other things and not take accountability mm-hmm. or help my community out. And what I know that I'm working towards is like how do we just offer like a lot more opportunities to people who are a working their ass off and b are super talented, who may not be like. Pamela Anderson, you know, may not be yeah. a white blonde blonde bombshell, you know, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it, and it, and it's very hard like that because eventually you start people. Often I find the people who, uh, if you're not, if you don't come, either if you don't have that deep rootedness in community where you want to take those people with you, mm-hmm. it's either the resentment of that community because you don't want to be like them anymore. I always mm-hmm. tell people a lot of people try to make money so that things don't pertain to them anymore. Yeah. They want to be beyond the problems. And I, mm. I, want, I want to fix the problems. I don't want them to mm. still be there. I want yeah. To, yeah, so I definitely want to be in a position to help uh, yes. people and inspire. Those. I feel that. And I, I feel, know. yeah, I, I really feel that. I always think about, I think it goes back to, you said something about the bruise and it's like, I can't forget my bruise. Like I can't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have the like 
luxury or privilege to forget my bruise. Mm-hmm. And therefore I think about all those young transmasculine kids now and they're different because they had access to the internet and like I yeah. kind of did, but it was very different back then. Yes, um, it was. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, some people assume that I'm like just in my 20s. I'm like, no, 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 no. no. Um, no. Netscape uh, navigator. Yeah, I was like, I was raised in Salt Lake City <laughs> in the 90s. It was scary. Oh, yeah. Um, it was very scary back then. So anyway, um, but I think about all those young transmasculine people and I'm like, I do not want them to have the the like level of bruise that I have. Like I, yeah. I want them to feel like they have leaders and have people that give them hope and opportunity and reflect back for them things other than just like the tragic cis lens that yeah, happens I, yeah no yeah that's that is how it should be that is that's the kind of pillars in the community and the people who we should have helping other people or you know because that's how i am i always feel that i, I always wanted to be the person that i didn't have when i was younger yeah. not that i didn't have great people around me <clears throat> but as far as me being the kind of person that i was just different in the sense where I wasn't I mean sure I was a I was a tomboy I love climbing trees and you know breaking shit and stuff like that but also I love playing with dolls not really playing with them but I always designed stuff on them Mm. and I always loved like taking off the paint off their face and redoing their you know their face still and doing their hair and making clothes and and sometimes people didn't understand that and for me I'm like I was just being creative yes I didn't see it as being anything else as that and I want to be that for other kids like hey do that if yeah. you want to put that nail polish on that one finger, you go right ahead. If you want to wear that shower cap to school with some pigtails, <laughs> do it. Because that's to me, like that's just that's giving them autonomy over themselves mm-hmm. and allowing them to make decisions and also realizing, you know, what works for them. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. And I, I would love to be that for a lot of people. Um, but just in a way where I don't have to be around pedophiles and racists. <laughs> that- for real transphobes and all kinds of people because i like to fight so <laughs> you're an aries baby you are like i'm ready to go uh, yeah, you're ready, like tsa but... security fight me yeah but also very peaceful yeah you know i, know, I get that from I you choose. too yeah, yeah. Like, do you have like a role like a, a a role that you've wanted to play or like a character you've wanted to play that you haven't had the opportunity opportunity to yet or what roles are you like that would be the dream oh anything uh, <laughs> any, well, I mean, I because, because, because I love, I love everything. I love being silly. Mm. I find that I have a great sense of the ridiculous. So I would love to do comedies. I love to cry. Um, oh I God. think I would be, <laughs> I, I, I'm really, I, I love, I love dramas. I love, uh, action films. I love comic book films. I love indie films. I love horror. I love, uh, any of, I, 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 I'm a big cinephile. I love mm. anything. Like I told uh, to the people I was with yesterday, I was saying two of my favorite films are in Spanish and French. Uh, okay. It's not like made in the one of the fifties and one of the two thousand. Like I just I, anything. But one yeah. of the roles that I would love to do, I'm actually writing myself. <laughs> Good, you should. I was I was going to ask if you were writing anything. So this was the yeah. next question. Great. Yeah, writing it myself. I've been writing it since I was a kid. Uh, okay. I had an idea for. Uh, a adaptation of an old movie that I loved mm. but as I got older I saw I saw that I could add more depth to mm. it mm. and then I read the book that it was based off of and then I started reading um the director the director of their initial film's actual intent for it and I saw these opportunities to make it more expanded upon and mm. also 
uh, because I feel that Lady Gaga has, she sucked all the, my ideas out of my head the one that I saw her in Hell's Kitchen. Uh. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. That is lore right there. That's going in your memoir where you're like, I saw her oh, in Hell's Lord. Kitchen once and she succubus my 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 ideas. Let me yeah. talk, okay, quick, we'll run around. Um, uh, please, anything about Stephanie Germanata, please. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm a hard stand, but not in a way where I would care if you were talking shit on her. I just love- No, I, no, no, no. I no, love no, all I, of her, even the messy parts. Yeah. Because no, I, I, she's my, she's our Aries sister, and mm-hmm. she, she, she certainly you know, is. adore her. But one time, I've always uh, loved uh, the 1954 version of A Star is Born with Judy Girl, and I feel like that is a superior mm-hmm. out of all the versions. It, it's, it comes across less self-serving mm. like their other ones do, and it's just more real. Um, but I've always wanted to adapt that. And so I've, I had a scripted version of that uh, my entire life, but I was like, I'm too young for this. It doesn't look, this doesn't suit well with mm. me being a kid. So when Lady Gaga started making her stars born, I was like, this You're like, bitch. girl, you are following me. <laughs> but no, this is this is why I feel like this is why I feel like it's funny because some of the notes in the stars born were some of the same notes I had in my script albeit hers is very white because I'm black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so some of the things that she were like, like the having like one of the things that's in my script, which I people, I let them read it and they were like gagging at it. So I wanted to have it in real time, like have like the real Grammys or like the real Academy Award show. And that's pretty much what they did. Having like real Absolutely. people that you would know. They, and I was like, oh, that was some of the ideas that I had. Anywho, one time I saw her in Chelsea. She was at the, she was closing out her shows at the Out Hotel. She was having Roseland. It was the Roseland, Roseland. Ballroom. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. So she was finishing out her thing, and I was in the, I was in the, I think it was a double XL uh, lobbyway, but it was like all glass, and she had that big ass uh, brown neon toadstool looking moldy wig she was wearing at the time with the glasses, and <laughs> yes. she had on those, and she was walking by in the in the lobby area and we were all behind the glass and we locked eyes and I feel like she sucked. <laughs> it was one of those moments. I know, I know what you're talking about where like time yeah. kind of slowed a little bit and you were like, what? Yes. And I feel like she sucked the idea out of my eye. And then all of a sudden she was making a She's... star is born and she yeah. was with Tony Bennett and all these old people that I love. And I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like she did it. She, obviously I'm joking, but I think it's funny. I love <laughs> that. But, but yes, when she made a Star is Born, I was like, obviously I cannot make a Star is Born again. I said, it's been heavy-handedly done. And so now the script has notes of Judy the Star is Born in it without it being heavy-handed. So it's like a, mm. a, a sweet homage to mm. my lovely Judy Garland. <laughs> and oh, I love stuff. that. So yeah. 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 And how about yourself? What Do you have a role that you want to be? Or... I know, it's so interesting. When I first started this is like right before the pandemic, but when I first Mm. was like, okay, I guess I'm doing the actor thing. Like my whole journey with that was terrifying because I do, as you, I'm sure you've seen and you know, since you've photographed me, like I love performing. You're hilarious. Um, I I love performing. I love comedy. I actually really like, I think being a traumatized child lends itself really well to comedy. It makes us so fucking funny. Like, like, (laughs) Like people like, uh, not to divert from you, but- um, No, please go, please go. Uh, I always do like a uh, stream of thought comedy thing whenever I have to serve, you know, people are on a service area job and like, oh my God, you're so funny. And I'm like, it's the trauma. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Who I am. yeah. Oh, and that, ca- that usually either lands on them or it catches them off guard and they're like, oh, yeah, they're like, oh. oh. <laughs> okay. You walk away, you walk, you sashay away and they're like, what? Yeah. 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 But no, yeah, you're correct. I feel like things like that make us funny because we have no choice but to laugh through the hard stuff because mm-hmm. we just have ourselves for yeah. the most part. Yeah. I get yeah. It. 
I, I, I actually like deeply, I'm like, I'm oddly grateful. I mean, I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm, I love comedy and I, I gravitate to, towards it more than I ever thought I would. Cause as a performance artist, pre Hollywood, like pre-transition to Hollywood, I was like, I'm very serious. And my, my work was funny, but it was funny in like, like I would be doing crazy intense like body modification burlesque stuff live and like terrifying people and then I would like break the fourth wall and be like I would like say a quippy line and people would laugh but be like shocked that they were laughing yeah. so there was comedy that was like inserted but mostly I was doing like quote-unquote high art sort of conceptual stuff which now is mostly a snooze to me but yeah. uh moving into I, I just feel like I actually have more because Hollywood feels like such a pirate ship and like the wild west like you there's just <laughs> the rules make no sense and everyone's on mushrooms no. um I'm allowed yes. to be more funny like I don't have yeah. to like hit that high level of concept that the art world's always like well what does it mean like, yeah gives a shit um it's so I'm, elitist yeah. it's so pretentious yeah Ugh. oh yeah unnecessary snooze fest comedy has been a big one for me and now it's changing and i do want to be a leading man like i see myself as a leading man for sure but i'm like i kind of want to be my friend's writing i'm going to try not to give too much away because if he's listening he might be like don't talk about it it's not done <laughs> but yeah. my friend is writing like a, a trans masculine hustler film that's a little oh, bit wow. like fear and loathing in las vegas and it's based off of like a famous myth that we all know about i'm going to give you the like the i'm just going to show uh -huh. that. yeah mm -hmm. okay so he's mm -hmm. doing like and it's a fascinating script and it would be <laughs> like it would be like me and marquise vilson as two like like trans masculine hustlers, like kind of yeah. like sex worker, juggle, like gigolo types, like, you know, um, like going, it. going out and doing crazy shit in the world. <laughs> and I kind of like those roles where you get to be funny who, Oh, what's a great, um, like I watched Deadpool the other day. Deadpool's jokes. Yeah. It's jokes. jokes. It's so <laughs> funny. And it's, it's disgusting. Funny. Like, yes, it is. And it, it lands. Is. I'm pretty it picky is. with comedy. And I was like, this shit really lands. I'm really excited to see if they will let Ryan Reynolds have his Deadpool have because because Deadpool's uh, pansexual in the comics yes. and he has a huge crush on Spider-Man and so he's always saying inappropriate things to Spider-Man and I really hope we get to see Deadpool and Tom Holland do weird things. <laughs> I love when they do the bro kissing. I know. I'm really uh, jokes. <laughs> I really like Deadpool. It's interesting. I didn't know that Deadpool was pansexual in the comics, but it makes mm -hmm. so much sense to me because I gravitate. I'm I'm very gender and sexual fluid. Like I'm just yeah. very fluid in general. Yeah. Um, and I read Deadpool as queer immediately. Not yeah. without not trying yeah. to even sexualize the character. I just was like, oh, this character's like fucked beyond the way Batman is fucked up. Like mm -hmm. in term and not to say that queer people are fucked up. I'm just saying he there was a layer of otherness to him that most su superheroes don't get. They yes. don't get that level. They're they're like Superman, Superman especially not because he's like oh, yeah, he's no. like your bread and butter American boy. Yeah, but yeah. I love Deadpool being just so wacky and insane, yeah. <laughs> and no rules. He's a little unhinged. Yeah, yeah he's no unhinged. rules. I relate. So that's kind of more the characters where I'm like, oh, and I loved Ryan Reynolds in that role. I'm like, I would love to to have the opportunity to be in the Marvel universe because that's my same. Name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you'd be great in the Marvel universe. You know. Are you kidding me? Marvel will be fun. It, it, it is your name, and I can see you being a fantastic uh, character. Who would you be? I just want to, I like Deadpool a lot because, and Batman, because you there is a little bit of wiggle room to not just be the, like, 
again, bread and butter quarterback. You don't, I, yeah. I have no interest in playing Superman or any of the characters yeah, no. that are like, I'm a good guy. It's like, the world is messy. Humans are messy. Um, we're in a moment, we're in a cultural moment that's just really tenuous and we need characters yeah. that are a little bit more dimensional than just like your American yeah. dream. And anti-heroes. I mean, I think part of what silos communities that are oppressed is like mm. right now it's like still not cool for trans people to be anti-heroes like we're yeah. we all have to be very palatable we all have to be very nice and like no. as long as cis people feel comfortable it's the same thing with black folks it's like white people need to feel comfortable if they feel uncomfortable they try to shut it down yeah and it's like no we're complicated we get to be as human as you are that's the goal yeah. like, please let us be as human as you or not even i'm not I, gonna say please i'm not even asking i'm like we yeah, are as human as you we are. are yeah and it's weird because the reason why it becomes uncomfortable having black people or trans people as villains or anti-heroes is because when we are generally when we were shown we were yes. just villains for dumb reasons yes. like a lot of the uh, movies that I saw growing up, they always seemed like because people were trans, they were crazy, like sleepaway mm -hmm. camp and all kinds of weird things mm -hmm. that we would watch. And, and they would make it seem like, oh, that person is this way. And it's like, that's not it. Or that person is angry because they're black and black yep. people are aggressive. And it's like, no. Yep. And if we were to be villains, you know, just because, <laughs> mm -hmm. or for reasons that have nothing to do with us being trans or black, then that would make more sense. But yes. I guess because they want to keep us in those weird, uh, um, prejudices, it's hard to imagine us just being fully fledged human beings who just want to, you know, fuck shit up on occasion. On occasion. <laughs> Chaotic neutral. Yes. That's where I'm at. That is me. Yes. <laughs> I would be happy to play a villain. One one story I love um, regarding Bond is that uh, what's, what's his beautiful, Craig, what's his name? Daniel Craig. Daniel, Daniel Craig, Craig yeah. you know, went into audition back in the day. He's been doing this forever now, but back in the day he went into audition for Bond and he was sure that they were going to cast him as the villain. Because he was like, I'm, I'm too, he actually just was perceived himself to be too like rugged looking and too, I mean, I just don't think he was, he didn't think he was pretty enough. Yeah. Um, and they cast him as Bond, but he was convinced he was going to be cast as the villain. I wouldn't mind playing a villain. Like that's, I, I love villains. Talking, yeah. Fun. I want to so be the fun. biggest bitch yeah. ever. Like I would love to be written on succession <laughs> just so I could be the biggest black bitch to all those those are, oh my god those white people on succession are <laughs> you know the culkin the culkin one oh my god i'm like i can't he is, he is my favorite because i actually, I actually date someone that kind of looks and acts like that uh -huh. and i was like that is you that is you <laughs> and every time your character. Was on, yeah. i would send them the screenshots of something that he was doing in the show and i was like look at you look at, <laughs> <laughs> look at you right now this is how you act but no i would love to be the biggest black bitch on succession just cussing them all out um okay so we're coming up on on our episode end but i want to Boom. i know we're having such a good time you're like let's talk more about pop culture i hope everyone enjoyed this movie talk this is me being like the most the most hollywood candid right now in the oh, yeah. entertainment industry um is there any anything else you want to share with folks in general or like what are is there anything you've been thinking about a lot that's just like taking up a lot of brain power that you'd like to uh well mainly i always just try to give you know people good good vibes and good energy so i just mm. hope that anyone who's listening here uh has someone to talk to a friend family member someone they yes. trust uh i hope that you go out into the world spreading energy and good vibes towards people uh, everyone has their own personal struggles they're going through you never yeah. know uh, empathy is free 
minding mm. your business it's free kindness it's free uh and it's, mind it's your business it's free so <laughs> you know what I mean? good it's like you know all cops are bad and i want everyone to have a great day yes! <laughs> i agree with you on that last statement for both of those last statements yeah. for sure yeah yeah just love to everybody uh any everybody yeah and one thing yeah. I love from this conversation that actually ties in, because I'm so deep in the astrology, it ties into the energy of the week is following like an artistic path. But yes, not selling your soul and following your art. And you know, the thing that I was going to say earlier is like that that journey often takes a lot more time. That's what I've noticed is that the people who have integrity, who are also community oriented, like you said earlier, your career takes more time because you're you're coming up with people instead of just stepping on everybody to short circuit mm -hmm. your way to the top. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. like, there shouldn't, how can we just have it there, there not be necessarily a top? Yeah. Um, I just want to, I just, my, my, I tell people all the time, my main goal is just to do good work. Is there any way that folks can either check out what you're doing? Do you want to promote yourself? That's totally an option. If you're like, I'm good, that's also great. I mean, I don't have anything to promote, but if they want to look at my Instagram, they can. I'm going to link it in the, I'll link it in the show notes so that there you people go. can get access to it. Do you have photographs up right now or do you do? You do? I do. I, okay. I, put, I put up some of all of uh, some people, but I need, I need to do, I need to do some more. <laughs> you have an amazing eye is all I have to say. Like well, incredible, incredible. Well, I appreciate it. I started taking pictures because I wanted to show the people that I knew how I saw them. And so mm. that's why, that's why I do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, what you just said is so interesting because one thing about my, you know, my partner's a photographer and she, it's like you, really good photographers, it's almost like you, you, you're seeing someone through the lens of love. I know that's mm -hmm. very cliche, but it's like, that's what I feel like. There's a magic zhuzh with really good photographers where you can, like, you're imprinting something onto the person too. You're absolutely correct. You, you can see the love of how you can feel about them through the lens. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's very apparent and it's one of that's one of my favorite anecdotes that Liza Minnelli tells is that when uh I love Liza Minnelli if anyone knows Liza Minnelli please I want to meet her she's getting older she's <laughs> like, yeah mm -hmm. I want to be it's her the friend. time she's, she's so sweet and everyone who I've who I've known who's met her said she's absolutely lovely so please people I need to meet Liza, Liza anyway Minnelli. uh she tells a story about how um when her dad was falling in love with her mom during Meet Me in St. Louis he would always frame Judy um in mm. a frame in the shots like you see the boy next door she's in the frame of the window and she's always in a right. frame of something kind of like he was like positioning her as this work of art because he loved her so much oh. and playing it back and knowing that story oh. you see judy in these shots i'm like oh that's fantastic and then to add to that judy said that was the first film where she felt beautiful as an adult because before that they always had her playing a little girl and she yeah. was i mean she was a teenager meeting st louis but they did her makeup differently and mm. Vincent photographed her differently and they had her in better clothes and she looked fat. And so it, it, it was felt, you know what I mean? It yes. was felt from her to him, him to her and their children or their child and then generations afterwards. So that's what I like to do with my photography and art in general. I want it to be, I want that to be felt like you felt that I cared about this subject and this person or things yes. like that. So, yeah. Oh my God. You then we go rambling heart. again. I love it. <laughs> no, it's all really good. It's all really, really good. Oh, Ellis, man. thank you. I really thank deeply you. appreciate it. <laughs> yes. All right, everybody. Well, thank you. And we will catch you next week on the World of Rex. Everyone have a great day. Stay safe. Great night if it's evening for you. Um, and we'll catch you next week. Take care. Bye, everyone.